Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and turn to me at this time to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. We're taking a break from our usual series of messages. Uh, as you know, we usually work our way through a message series. And uh, we're in between series right now. And so uh, we'll do something a little different. We'll look at some different passages of Scripture over the next couple of weeks. None of them really related to each other. Just something new and fresh each week. And uh, first up, we uh, uh, have this passage from Luke. Uh, where Jesus is invited to a meal at a Pharisee's house. And a couple things happen. First, Jesus heals a man. They're not too thrilled about that. He's healing on the Sabbath. They don't like that. And then uh, Jesus uh, turns and he addresses the guests at the meal and talks to them about where they're seated and, and maybe what they should have done instead of what they did do. And they're not real thrilled about that. And, and then after Jesus talks to the guests about their seating arrangements, now he turns his attention to his host, who's probably not thrilled about this either. But that's where we're at. So in Luke 14, we're going to pick up in verses 12 to 14. Will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, Do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we uh, look into this word, we know that this was a challenging word for the uh, first people who heard it so many years ago. It's a challenging word for us today. And so, Lord, we just want to uh, soften our hearts and open our hearts towards you right now and say, God, speak to us. Speak to us through your word, by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, if there are areas where we need to change and, uh, and, and grow, Lord, help us to change and grow in those areas even today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. When I was a kid, I had a friend at school named Hank. And one year, about a month before Christmas, Hank started dropping these hints to me about this great Christmas gift he was going to get me. He'd say things, oh, wait till you see what I got for you this year. It's going to be amazing. I got the best gift for you. You're not going to believe it. Now, Hank had never, ever given me a, Chris, a gift for Christmas before, right? So I thought this was kind of odd, but I was curious. I'm intrigued. It's like, man, what's this, what's this gift he's got me? This is pretty exciting. Then after a couple days of dropping hints, uh, Hank began to ask me, he said, so what are you going to get me for Christmas? And uh, you know, I thought, wow, if he's gone all out for me, I better go all out for him, right? I better get him something good. So I started working some extra jobs around the house and neighborhood, earning up extra money. I wanted to get him a great gift, plus I had to get gifts from my own family as well. And, uh, and every day I would just wonder and dream about, what's this gift that Hank's going to get me? This is just so cool. As Christmas approached, I went out and I bought Hank a very nice, very expensive gift. I don't even remember what it was. I just know that I spent a lot of money on it for a kid my age. 
And then on the last day of school, before Christmas break, I brought it in and gave it to him. And first chance I got before school, and he was so excited, he tore into that thing. And he said, wow, this is so awesome. This is amazing. And, and now I'm waiting, I'm waiting. It's like, okay, with this gift, I'm just so... And you know what he got me? Nothing. Nothing. He did not have a gift for me that day. And so I went, well, yeah, maybe he had good intentions. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was going to do it. Maybe he forgot about it. Maybe I was just taken. Okay, <laughs> But no gift. No gift. And I went home for Christmas vacation, a disappointed but wiser youth. You know, there is an attitude in society today that mirrors my childhood experience with Hank. It is the attitude that says, what can I get out of this? What's in it for me? And you know, there are some people who approach nearly every situation in life with this attitude. Right? Doesn't matter whether they're dealing with a business transaction or a financial decision or time priorities or even personal relationships. The focus is always on themselves. And they're constantly asking themselves, probably not out loud, but they're saying, how, they're thinking, how can I best leverage myself in this situation in order to get the most personal benefit? And so they're always jockeying for position on the playing field of life, trying to get the most for themselves in every situation. Jesus addresses that attitude in our passage today. Apparently, this attitude was just as common 2,000 years ago as it is today. And in our passage today, Jesus gives us three simple instructions, three simple instructions to help us guard against this Uh, self-centered attitude in our lives. There's an outline in your worship guide. It has all three principles, but you can read them for yourselves. Do not give only to get. Give freely to those who cannot give back. Look to God for your reward. So we want to look at these principles in the context of our passage this morning. First of all, do not give only to get. Do not give only to get. Jesus gives this instruction within the context, once again, of this meal at the Pharisees' home. Now, the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of their day. And apparently, this particular Pharisee, he was quite well-known and quite well-off. And in the verses immediately prior to our passage, as we mentioned earlier, Jesus had just addressed the guests at this meal. Because you know what the guests did? As soon as they entered the home, what did they do? They all scrambled for the best seats around the table. And now he addresses the Pharisee hosting the meal. It was common in those days for the wealthier, the more prominent persons in the community to throw these banquets for each other. And to be invited to one of these banquets was a sign of high status in the community. And so you would invite people to your banquet in hopes that they would invite you to theirs, right? Now, the poor and the disadvantaged in the community were often allowed to come and observe these feasts from a distance. They would sometimes stand around the perimeter of the hall, or, or they'd wait outside hoping maybe I can get some leftovers. Maybe I'll see somebody famous, like people look for celebrities and restaurants today, right? Jesus was on the guest list 
for this particular meal. Jesus was never afraid to speak up in any setting. And so just as he had spoken to the guests concerning their choice of seats, now he addresses the host concerning his choice of guests. And we pick it up in verse 12 where Jesus tells the host, he says, hey, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. Now this instruction was completely contrary to the custom and practice of the day. The people that Jesus forbids here, these were exactly the types of people that you invited to your meals. These four groups of people all had one thing in common. If you invited them over to your house, they would most likely return the favor and invite you to theirs. But you'll notice this is the very reason Jesus gives for not inviting them, right? He continues in verse 12. He says, if you do, and you think, oh no, something terrible is going to happen if I do this. If you do, they may invite you back. And so you will be repaid. And so you might be wondering, well, what, what are we supposed to do with this instruction from Jesus? Does this mean that we should never have friends over for a meal? Am I disobeying Christ if I invite my relatives over for Thanksgiving? If so, a lot of us are in big trouble, right? Because we do that all the time. Jesus is not saying that. Jesus is not meaning that we should never invite our friends or family over for dinner. We know that because there are many examples in the Bible of family and friends getting together for meals. We know that God encourages good friendships and strong family relationships. So Jesus is He is not banning common meals between family, friends, and neighbors. He's not saying that it's wrong to exchange Christmas gifts, okay? He's not saying that we should never be kind to anyone who just might repay us the favor. No, rather what Jesus is doing here is he is addressing our attitude and our motivation. We should not give only to get. You see, giving is different from spending, You ever thought about that? When you spend, you always spend in order to get something back, right? You always spend in order to get something in return. That's the very definition of spending. But when you give, giving should have a completely different motivation. Your motivation in giving should never be that someone would give back to you, but rather you should give freely and generously from the heart. And that's the problem that Jesus saw around that banquet table that night in the Pharisee's house. This Pharisee had invited friends, brothers, relatives, and especially rich neighbors. All people who could and probably would repay him for his kindness. His attitude was not, what can I give, but what can I get? And that is the attitude that Jesus is condemning here. You know, this can be a problem even in our churches. Some churches base their whole appeals for giving on what you will get back in return, right? You've heard that. Sow your financial seed here and reap a financial harvest at home. Or how about our motivation for doing ministry in the church? When you serve in the church, 
Are you seeking only to give and to minister to others, or are you looking to get? Are you looking for approval? Are you looking to see who's watching you to see what you're doing? Jesus says, do not give only to get, but give freely from a pure heart. That's our first instruction this morning, our first principle. Do not give only to get. Now, Jesus' second instruction, uh, Jesus gives us some practical wisdom now on how we may change our attitude in this area. What is the very best way to guard against this self-centered attitude? And so Jesus gives us this principle in verse 13. It is marvelously simple and profound. How do you break out of this cycle of only giving to get? Jesus said you should give to those who cannot repay you. Give freely to those who cannot give back. We see this in verse 13 where Jesus tells us this. He says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. So just as Jesus, he gave us four groups of people not to invite, right? Friends, brothers, relatives, rich neighbors. Now he gives us four groupings of people that we should invite. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. The word for poor here refers to those who were were poor or needy, especially those who were helpless, those who lacked the necessary resources for daily living. The crippled here uh, are those who are disabled or injured in some way. The lame refers specifically to those who could not walk of their own accord. And blind, of course, are those who could not see. And the common factor among all four of those groups, okay, one thing they all had in common at least in that day, was they all lacked the ability to repay. The poor, they had little money or influence in society. The crippled, the lame, and the blind, they had few resources in Jesus' time. Praise God, we have more resources uh, in our age for that, but in Jesus' time, they had nothing. They were often neglected, ignored, sometimes even despised by those who had so much. As we mentioned earlier, the poor, the crippled, the otherwise disadvantaged, they might sometimes be allowed to observe the banquet, but they would never be on the guest list. They were treated as outsiders, not honored guests. So how do we apply these words of Jesus to ourselves and in our present day, right? We don't do these revolving banquets like they did back then. Well, we can certainly offer hospitality to other people in our homes and not just our friends and our relatives. We can reach out to our neighbors or or people in church or at work that we don't know well yet. Great way to get to know them. We can step out of our comfort zone. We can have someone over for a meal who may be lonely or away from home. I remember when I had just graduated from college, I moved from my home in Massachusetts out to California to work in the recording studios out there. I was looking for church, so I was visiting different churches, looking for a church family. I was visiting this one church when an older couple came up to me and they said, you know, we have a ministry to the orphans in our church. Oh, that's nice. And I started looking around for the orphans, you know, and you know, I'm still looking around and, and, uh, and they said, yeah, we'd like to take them out to lunch. After the service, I go, oh, that's nice. And I'm going, I don't, 
where do you hide them? Where are they? Where are the orphans? And then they just smiled at me and they said, we'd like to take you out to lunch after the service. I'm the orphan! I get it! I get it! And they had this wonderful ministry to the singles in that church. There were a number of us singles who were there, away from home, and every Sunday, they would take us out on their, on their dime. They would take us out to a restaurant for food and fellowship together. It was a wonderful ministry. Guess which church I joined? I not only joined that church, I eventually became one of the pastors. <laughs> it's neat how God works, isn't it? See, there are many ways that you can give to those who cannot give back to you. Obviously, one way is by helping the poor. God has a heart for the poor and the needy. He commands us to give to the poor. He delights when we give to those who are truly in need. So you might know of a particular family uh, in need in the church or at work or in your community and choose to give to them with no thought of return. Pro tip, if you really don't want to get anything back in return, give anonymously. Give through someone else. Or you could give to an organization like World Vision or Compassion, uh, which will distribute your gift responsibly to those in need. I think about Operation Christmas Child. You know, each year, many of you give your time and your money and your effort to prepare a special shoebox for a child whom you will never meet in this lifetime, right? And wouldn't you just love to be there when that child opens it? Of course, we all would, but we know that's not going to happen. And there's no way that they can repay you. Jesus says, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Actually, anytime you give to missions, you are fulfilling this command of Jesus. Many of you recently contributed money for the Bible Project in Mozambique, right? That was just a couple months ago we did that. I'm guessing you don't know anybody in Mozambique. And they certainly don't know you. But you know what? I bet you we're going to... I can almost guarantee you we will meet some of those people someday in heaven. They can't pay you back in this lifetime, but oh, the reward that is waiting. And then if we are to faithfully apply these words of Jesus to our, to our time, we need to recognize Jesus is talking about more than just money, right? We can give of our time, our friendship, our hospitality to others. Teens and other students... Uh, in school. Question for you. Who are the poor or disadvantaged in your environment? Right? Every school has those students who are considered outside the in crowd. Those students who never make anybody's guest list. And perhaps Jesus is talking to you this morning about reaching out with kindness and friendship to someone who is unpopular at school. What's the best way of breaking the cycle of giving only to get? Jesus says, give freely to those who cannot repay you. It is the absolute best way of checking yourself and keeping your motives pure. As followers of Christ, we should make a priority of giving to those who are truly in need and cannot repay us. And then finally, Jesus gives us our third principle. Look to God for your reward. Look to God for your reward. We see this in verse 14. 
Uh, Jesus says, when you give to those who cannot repay you, Jesus says, you will be blessed. And although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. There is a blessing when you give to someone who cannot give back to you. Just think for a minute how good it feels when you, when you turn in that shoebox, right? Doesn't that feel so good? You, you put that together, you, and you just feel great. Wouldn't you like to feel like that every day? You can. You just have to keep giving. There's a blessing in giving that way. Giving with no thought of return. And although that person you help may never repay you in this life, God promises to repay you in the next. As Christians, we should look forward to our heavenly reward rather than any earthly reward we may receive. What did Jesus say specifically? He said, you will be repaid when? At the resurrection of the righteous. Now, the Bible speaks of two resurrections, right? First, there's the resurrection of the wicked. At the resurrection of the wicked, those who do not know Christ will be repaid for all the wrong things they have done. I don't want any part of that. But then there's the resurrection of the righteous. At the resurrection of the righteous, those who have placed their faith in Jesus will be repaid for the good things they have done for Christ and his kingdom. We read in Proverbs 19, 17, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Those who give only to get will have no reward waiting for them in heaven. Jesus spoke of a similar situation in Matthew chapter 6. He said this, He said, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And then your father, who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. In other words, you can't get your reward twice, okay? You don't get it here and then there. If you give only to get in this life, you've already got your reward. But when you give expecting nothing in return, God who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Now, there's an irony in all of this, okay? There's an irony at work here. When you give only to get, guess what? You ultimately end up with far less than when you give freely to those who cannot give back to you. When you put God and others first in your life, you actually end up gaining more, far more. But that can't be the reason you do it, or else you're simply putting yourself first again. It's like, ah, yeah, how do we do this, right? God has promised to supply all your needs in this life, but the great rewards do not come 
until the resurrection. There is a reason God does it this way. Think about it. If God's rewards all came now, that would skew our motives, wouldn't it? If you automatically prospered in this life, any time you gave to those who could not repay, you know what? People would catch on pretty quickly. They'd say, oh, so that's how you do it. Okay. And then what would happen? We'd all be tempted to give only to get. Doesn't work that way, does it? And so God very wisely makes us wait for our reward. You might also wonder, well, if we're not supposed to give in order to get, then why is it okay to look to God for your reward? Is that the same thing? No, it's a different thing. It's very different when you give and then you wait for God to give you your reward. Let me give you four quick reasons why. First of all, you cannot manipulate God. Okay, you're perfect. Don't worry about it. You're not going to manipulate God. Hank... Hank may have manipulated me into giving him the best Christmas present of his life ever. I got over it. It's okay. I'm good. Okay? But you never have to worry about manipulating God. Second reason is one of the greatest rewards you can ever receive is simply God's approval. I believe that, uh, that that's going to be a big part of our reward in heaven. It's just hearing God say those words, well done my good and faithful servant. If I hear those words, I don't need anything else. <laughs> That's more than enough reward for me. A third reason why it's okay to look to God for your reward is it takes faith. It takes faith to look to God for your reward, and faith is always pleasing to God. And finally, looking to God for your reward shows where your heart is. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We should all be living on earth, but living for heaven. I am guessing that Jesus probably offended his host at this particular banquet, but he gave the host and us some valuable words of instruction for life. Number one, do not give only to get. Number two, give freely to those who cannot give back. Number three, look to God for your reward. Now, I want to close this morning by asking you two questions, okay? Two questions. First question is this. Who's on your guest list? Who is on your guest list? To whom do you extend love and friendship and hospitality? Is it only to those who can repay you? Or are you willing to reach out to the poor and the disadvantaged and those who've never heard of Christ? Did you know that whenever you reach out in kindness to another person... The Bible says you are also reaching out to Jesus, right? Jesus said, Matthew 25, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. So when you give freely to others, you are also giving to Jesus. And so I guess this whole question really comes down to this. Do you want Jesus on your guest list? I do. (laughs) Do you want Jesus on your guest list? Then make sure that you are giving freely to those who cannot repay you. That's our first question. Who's on your guest list?
And then the second question I'd like to ask you is this. Have you ever considered who is on God's guest list? Think about it. Who has Jesus invited into his kingdom? Short answer, those who could not pay him back. God created you. He gave you life. He sent his own son to die on the cross for you. He offers you eternal life as a free gift. He invites you into his kingdom, and it is all by grace. You and I, we we can never repay God for all that he has done for us. But you know what? That's okay. Because God did not give to us in order to get He gave freely of himself to those who could not repay him. And now he asks you and me to do the same. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this portion of scripture, just three short verses, but Lord, they they pack a punch. There's a lot in here for us to absorb and to take into our lives. I know it must have been a challenge for the Pharisee who heard these words. Lord, I pray he responded well. We don't know. But Lord, our greater concern is how will we respond to your words this morning? What changes do we need to make? What commitments or steps of faith and stepping out of our comfort zone are you calling us to today? Lord, help us, strengthen us, help us to take those steps in faith. Lord, in the path of obedience to your commands is blessing. And Lord, we want to bless you and others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.